Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. It is time. We are finally back. It feels like it's been a while. As Dan, It has been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute, and we have a full cast tonight. Kobe in the upper left, Danny in the bottom. Kobe, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm happy to be oh, back. Yeah. I like seeing your smiling mug. Oh, yeah. PFL Danny, how are you feeling today? So good, man. Just just riding off of a couple of hot weeks of gambling, you know, and trying to bring it to you, our listeners. That's the key. So we are finally back, and we're looking to hit that schedule running again. I know set the spreads have been up, but our schedules have been hectic, so we're looking forward to getting after it. Also, Danny and I were in matching PFL t-shirts, so that's something pretty awesome. Not like exactly matching, but we were after it. Um, okay, we're going to start. We're going to do something new today because – because of the weeks off, we're not going to do recaps from, you know, back, whatever. We're going to do our pound for pound halfway through the year list or, or just about halfway through the year list. So we are going to do pound for pound and we're going to update you on our old. Tell you our Yeah, I, I just want to jump in. It's not totally yep. new because we did it back in August 2021. Reese right. and I were on the air and Danny gave us his post haste. But uh, yeah, you guys want me to run through where we were at back last August? Yo, I'd love to hear it. Let's let's laugh at Reese, including John Jones again. No. We'll get there. That's number four for Reese. Um, unanimous across the board. We had Usman, all three of us. Um, and then there's some differences coming up here. A lot of the same. So we all had Piotr Jan in our top fives. Reese was lowest on him at five. Danny was highest at two. And I had him at three. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. I don't hate the take either. I just I don't yeah, disagree. it aged a little poorly. Yeah, he's it'll moved, it, it, it'll go a little down my list, but he's still on that top ten. I'll say I'll give that away. It'll come in now. I was the lone soldier that didn't have Volk in my top five, and I feel pretty bad about that. Reese had hit Volk at two. Danny had Volk at three. Okay. Uh, I was the only one that had Francis in my top five, and he was number two for me. We had. Wow, it gets weird here. I was the only one with Izzy in my top five. I had him at number four. I was the only one with Moreno in my top five. I had him number five. Reese is the only one that had Jan Blahovich, and he had him at number three. That one's tough. That was coming off of an easy victory, win. too. Yeah. yeah. Reese was also the only one with John Jones at four. All right. That one I stand by. He. he if, you can't. He hasn't fought in. No, that, that's what, what I mean by that is like if he's active, we all agree he's he's. So is he in your list now? No, he can't be. I mean, well, it's, it's no different. At the well, time, no, the his only- last two three fights were all controversial, like non-dominant performances. I mean, a lot of people were saying Reyes beat him. We're I'm not just- here to litigate where we were at. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Not only that, Kobe, just rattle off top fives because I am so I, I I hear a bunch of names. Just rip okay. us through the top five. I, I've mentioned everybody in all the top fives except for Danny's last four and five. But Danny had Usman, Jan, Volk, 
Charles Oliveira and Dustin. Strong. Okay. Yeah. Wow. The Charles Oliveira aged great. Reese had Usman, Volk, Jan Blachowicz, John Jones, Piotr Jan. Oof. I really fell off. And mine was Usman, Nganu, Piotr Jan, Izzy, Brandon Moreno. Okay. So I think that if we had to assign a winner, it might. I think it's Danny. Dan. Yeah. Might go to Dan. I was going to say Dan. Is that but... worth like an extra set the spread point? Because I kind of need it. Nope. <laughs> but all right let's jump into this year though. yeah so let's get into this year okay so we're gonna go the format we're gonna do this dan wants dan's insisting we do top 10 but let us know your pound for pound list over on twitter as always well that's where the and, fun is and i think our listeners will agree i, and I don't disagree there, with that. i think there will be a lot of our top threes that are similar to the top threes we just named so we're gonna go in order we're gonna go kobe dan myself kobe who's your pound for pound number one Still Usman. Danny. So I'm the one that's going to throw the wrench early. I've had a flip-flop in my top two. Or I guess it, 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 Jan's dropped out of my top three, and then a flip-flop of the remaining top two. I'm putting Volk one. Wow. I mm-hmm. kind of want to explore that. I'm going Usman one. Dan, I, I know we want to get through this segment, at, at least in within the hour, but what what has possessed you to do that flip-flop? So it's, it's really just looking at their last performances. And I'm seeing Bulk just go out there and dominate, look untouchable, while Kamaru, albeit was, it was his second time, another close fight with Colby, um, a guy who I had a lot of consideration for the back half of this list. It felt like it was a little bit more of a, of a, of a, a coin flip. Colby is, Colby is significantly better than both Korean Zombie and Ortega. I don't disagree with you. I'm just going and off of, of, of what I've seen based on dominance also, in the division. You're also a second, a millisecond away from Volk being in the bottom half of your list because you tapped to Ortega. I mean, I, mean, I don't see he's I, a millisecond from tapping, maybe a millisecond from going from out. Going out. Yeah. Fact, he wasn't going to tap. But let, let's, I think we need to address the fact that although I'm the biggest Volk fan around, I love Volk, but. I mean, you're talking about 30 seconds of, of adversity versus 25 minutes of adversity. And I, for one, scored the last fight for Colby, and so that might be playing into this a lot. Okay, I, I understand. So, number two, the, uh, Col- Kobe? I have Volk. I've got and Usman. And then I, I have Volk. So, we're within the same vein here. Yeah. And I think that if both of them continue to stay active and both of them continue to fight, looking at, like, the top five for each division – I don't see a real I, – I, I kind of think we're going to be having the same conversation at year-end. And not to get too much into it, Yeah, just looking into Usman's record, the best striker he's beaten is Journeyman George, and that just didn't knock really impress me a lot. He did he did knock him out, but it's not like Journeyman George is this next-level striker. Like, I take both Holloway wins, and then you mentioned Ortega and uh, the Korean Zombie being less – quality but i take both those holloway wins it's weighing a lot yeah but i i take the holloway wins very similarly as i take the covington wins but we're we're, we're let's not get bogged down here so number three kobe who's your number three i have chucky olives three not yeah. technically a belt holder at the moment but yeah you know screw that, screw that nonsense Dish i ditto that chucky olives three okay i am dittoing both of you i i chuck yalla's three and we're like sitting in an echo chamber we sit here and listen to each other talk about it every well, week i'm no, not shocked that we have the same top three that's definitely true 
But you also have to remember that when you look at just like the, the way the year has gone for these guys, like Oliveira has gone from a guy that people can continuously underestimated and looked as a, as a one dimensional fighter to being a guy who is clearly a dominant force. And, and if you read the news often in the media, often there are almost all of them are saying uh, Oliveira is significantly more threatening than the Kingpin Makachev. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, I mean, I, I flirted with the idea. I flirted with the idea of having Chucky Olives at the top of my list. Um, back on what I just That's said about okay. Kamaru not having fought a ton of elite level strikers, you've got Chucky Olives, who's an elite grappler. No one can argue that. Obviously, most submission wins in, in the history of the UFC, but he's out striking every single person he's fighting except for Dustin Poirier since his last loss. That's Gaethje. That's Chandler. Well, yeah, that's, I, mean, the, I mean, these are these are really outstriking the Chandler, great strikers. I mean, outstriking the Chandler. I mean, we can have a discussion on that because of the fact that he almost. Again, it's the same thing with Volk, almost, almost. At the end of the that, day, that's really what I wound up with, is the adversity that o- Oliveira has faced is not nearly what, I mean, Usman and Kamaru, or uh, Usman and Kamaru, Usman okay. and Volkanovsky have done. They've looked untouchable while I've seen paths to opponents winning for Charles, even though he's turned it around every time. Who's everyone's number four, Kobe? Before Kobe, before you, oh, okay. I wanted to, I wanted, I was curious about this because Kobe mentioned pre-show that, we were all gonna have very similar top fours. Yeah, I thought that there was gonna be a clear. Wait, who'd you even say? I, I missed it. I said it in the group earlier, but I thought that we would have very similar top fours. I know who's your four. I'm saying Izzy. Izzy, okay, Danny. I've got the current bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling. Wow. Hmm. I mean, I don't think Aljo gets near the love he should, but that, that one's interesting given the fact that I thought you scored it for Jan, or am I wrong? No, no, I, I, I scored it for um, for Aljo. I thought oh, that okay. round one was the, the swinger, and obviously it wasn't the most decisive round. But, I mean, Aljo did absolutely enough to, I mean, suffocate. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I, I, my four is uh, Francis and Ghanu. I know that they're – look, I'm, I'm saying this now to have it on the record – but I know that there's not there's a chance that he goes to boxing and we don't see him fight. And then come year end, everyone's like, ha, 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 you put him on your list, you idiot. That's we're, I mean, if he takes six months off, that's not saying he's not pound for pound. The wrestling and the uh, transitions he demonstrated against Cyril Ghan is enough for me to say that he has rounded his skill set out enough. Francis Ngannou, I'm, I'm confident, number four. And I know that there is an opportunity he doesn't fight. And I'm not going to let you guys point the finger and say you're stupid john jones haha so reese i don't think you're stupid i very much considered uh having francis high in my list and i ended up putting him low and it was for the reason of kind of what you just mentioned we saw that he now has a wrestling game and that he's he's trying to make himself more well-rounded but i, I wouldn't go as far to say like he has an elite wrestling game he he's just started to mix he the martial to, arts but he doesn't like, need to have the elite wrestling i'm saying that in a pound for pound like skill level kind of comparison like right a guy we cool. haven't even mentioned like a max holloway i think has a lot more skills at size parity at power parity than francis and Ghanu. see that's interesting because i don't know if i agree with that and i think that you even if even if we you know take size out of the equation if we were just going like skill sets, then our whole pound for pound list ends up being flyweights. You know what I mean? Flyweights band. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, I think that a lot of what we're talking about is the skill sets here and taking away the size. 
uh, and that's why Francis is down my list. Is it? I mean, I think we're agreeing. No, I understood. I'm just saying that I think like you still have to translate Francis's power, even though you know what I mean. Like his striking still needs. You don't just say, "Oh, well, on the pound for pound list." Right. The power definitely is there. I, I mean, I'm I'm considering in my head that he's going to be the most powerful person in any division or at any exactly. matchup, pound exactly. for pound. Exactly. But, Am I saying that he's an elite striker? No. Am I saying that he's an elite grappler? No. I think I think he's an elite striker. I don't but, think he's an elite kickboxer or boxer. I think he finds he lands with a lot of power. Okay. I, I think he's I think he has elite boxing and, and he's shown it. But I well we're getting out of we're getting off sorts. Okay, so we are on to what number five now, Kobe. Who's your number five to round out the top five pound for pound? Yeah, I struggled with this one too. I really, I, I ended up going with Francis and I struggled for the same reason that you said, Reese. Like, I, I know that it's not a given that we're going to see Francis in UFC ever again. I mean, and I, I think that we all think right. we, we probably will see him again in the UFC, but I'm also looking at the heavyweights and I just don't see current state, the guy that's going to beat Francis. And that's kind of what this is all about, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to go Francis five. Not giving anything away. I have two non-champions ahead of francis on my list my five is izzy i don't that i don't get that i don't get i mean i i understand what you're trying to get at and like what the objective not at heavyweight right just no not a heavyweight no no no, not a heavyweight but but i i understand what you're trying to get at but it i i think that to an extent defeats the purpose so, so is glover on your top 10 list um honestly you've got a list in front of you is he there no i don't have a list in front of me oh, okay. I, I i have it just just because i i didn't know we were doing 10 i had my five but i mean i did know we were doing 10 but it was well i i, I got it in my noggin he, he, he sleeps eats sleeps and breathes this so but but that's the point is it's like i i think glover could make you could make a relative argument that glover's in your top 10 but it's like there's other factors like age that you're taking glover is not on my list he's not on my honorable mentions i've okay. got but 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 is there a factor that Glover present, presents other than age for that reasoning? Didn't I mean, I, I don't think he's an elite striker at this point in his career anymore. That I thought about putting Yuri in my top ten, and I didn't even give Glover a chance. That's crazy to me. But okay, I, that's fine. So my five is um, Izzy. So your five is Izzy. My five is also Izzy, and it's mainly just because, as much as I think he's still one dimensional, and I've yet to he's yet to prove me wrong. That one dimension of his is so fucking elite that you have to give credit where credit's due. So, what? So we got Ngannou Izzy Izzy. Okay, this is where it starts to get dicey, and this is where Dan is adamant it's going to be the most fun. Kobe, are you still partaking in the box? Yeah, I, I got him. Good. All right, number six, Kobe. Get after. I went a little rogue. Mm-hmm. Hamzat. Wow, that is, that is rogue. I had him in my honorable mentions. Yeah, me too. I, okay. I, I'm scared of him just as much as anybody else in this list. So I, I just said, you know what, fuck it. Yeah, but has he really proved – I mean, then you might as well have Gilbert right there. I mean, that fight was so too no, – I'm, I'm, I'm more scared of Hamzat than I am of Gilbert. And I'm not saying that Gilbert's not an honorable mention for me, but he's not in my top ten. No, I agree. I, I think Hamzat six is showing the casualness quite a little bit. But that's quite all, all right. right. Um, Danny, say this is where my six gets, or this is where my list gets interesting. As Reese said, I've got Max Holloway. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I, it is interesting, but I don't. I, I'm fine with that. I especially like that. with me bumping bulk to number one, I want to give a lot of respect to Max. I still think he's one of the best fighters yeah. in the world at any 
weight class at any time. He's ready to go. No arguments here. The other thing too, is when you look at him dismantle the type of strikers that he's dismantled, it's hard to not tip of the hat. And then on top of all of that, if he wins the trilogy, it's like you have him neck and neck with bulk and you're deciding. So I I don't hate that. Um, For me now I'm bringing in Aljo and it's no disrespect to Aljo. I think he's beyond talented, but we're looking at a guy who really relies on his grappling and I've yet to see him put it all together. You know, I mean, getting, I know it's a while ago and I hate harping on the same things, but getting viciously knocked out by a guy who's retired. Um, and I, I want to see him pile a little more. I think that by year end, if he actually fights and actually defends this belt, I think we see a guy who, slides up the list a little bit i mean he ran through sandhagen warm knife through butter and the game plan against jan was oh oh my gosh chef kids kids. no i i agree to both those things and i and i I, but i think six is fair i i don't i know you had him a little higher but i i i I think six is where i'm gonna have to slot him in kobe we're seven for you another maybe casual pick but i have islam here another guy that i'm just scared of more than anybody else in the top of the division other than Oliveira and uh See, I, I still need to see more. Islam's my number 11. I mentioned to the boys that I had a top 10 with an asterisk because I had written 11 names down. Islam is that 11th name. Okay. So who's who's seven? Piotr Jan. I know I gave him a lot of respect in the last one. I still have a lot of respect for the guy. I think that he thought he had done enough in round one and that he thought he was taking his belt back. I think he was caught off guard by how – how much pressure and how strong of a grappler uh, Aljo is when he gets a hold of you. And I think he, he let rounds two and three just kind of blow by the wayside. I mean, we know how that fight went down. I still think he's got all the tools. I still think he's one of the most capable defensive wrestlers I've ever seen. His boxing is unbelievable. Ted movements, unbelievable. The pace he puts on the cardio. Um, I'm excited for a rematch if it ever happens, but I, I've still got him on this list ahead of a couple champions. I think there's three that I haven't mentioned. Here's my seven that I'm shocked. Neither of you have mentioned And that's Figgy to me. And I think when you're looking at a well-rounded skill set, it's hard to not have Figgy in the top five. It's really, you don't think he's too reliant on his power. I almost had the same conversation with myself with about Francis that I did with Figgy. I thought that Moreno proved that he was the better fighter than him, but, lost the fight because he was eating the bigger shots if that made sense but haven't you seen scrambles out of figgy that you would never see out of izzy you would never see for sure right and 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 you also have that power and striking aspect that he brings i think when you're looking at just a well-rounded talent set figgy is is that one submission victory where brandon and i love brandon but brandon fought a perfect fight there I mean, we're talking about a guy who's what, 19 and two or something ridiculous. Figgy's as talented as they come. And I think we're going to see a streak where he rips off. I think he beats Kai Car France. I think he beats uh, Moreno in their quad fight or whatever. And I, I think that come year end or, or even middle of next year, we're, Figgy's going to be top five for a lot of us. So I've got him as my number eight. Next. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Kobe, who's your number eight? I'm excited that. I'm the first to bring up this name, but Colby. And a lot of the same reasons that Danny was downgrading Usman, I'm upgrading Colby. 
I, I love that. I love that. I think Colby out. I think Colby's one of those names that we're going to talk about how if he fought in any other era of MMA, he's a champion for many years to come. He just ran into someone that does everything he does, but slightly better, but slightly better and, and slightly more physically gifted. It's like you have a guy that even if Colby ekes out like a little bit more technical wrestling or a little bit more technical striking, it's like the physical gifts that Kamar brings to the table is just enough to push that edge. Um, my eight is uh, Piotr. I, I, he slid down just because he's, you know, he, he lost that he fight. Lost. And, and that's really what it comes down to. This is another one where it's like, if I was buying stock in someone, Piotr's a guy that I think will not only gets the belt back, but holds it for quite a long time. Um, he's just a beast, but we'll, we'll see on that front. I, I just love all of his skill sets. And I think that if he continues to polish up, is he over 30? Is he over that hump? I think he's just at 30. Okay, because if he continues to polish up those skill sets, I think we see a run like a 33, 34-year-old Piotr. 29. 29, yeah. He, he's, he's got – I think he's got a lot, a long way to go. Um, like, like as far as like his, his ceiling, his capabilities still, still can be stretched out. Um, nine, Kobe. I have Max Holloway here. Danny okay. already mentioned him. Um, again, I, I mean, I brought it up with Colby too, but – for the same reasons that I'm that Volks is high on the list, and it's uh, that, that's why I have Max ahead of some champs. This is where my Francis pick comes in, and it's for all the reasons I've been saying. I see that he's becoming more well rounded. I'm not ready to say any of those skills besides power and finding the button are truly elite. And I know that it doesn't so much matter if you're holding the belt and you're going to beat everyone and, and whatever. When I'm making this list, I'm focusing on skill sets a lot, and I'm not so much focusing on just unworldly, godly power, which is what Francis has and is what he relied on a ton, a ton, a ton, up until this Stipe and up until this Ciro fight. Um, we're seeing a new version of, of Francis. I'm not ready to say it's an elite everywhere version yet. And on this list, we're talking about guys that are elite everywhere. Okay. Um, nine for me is – so Max now comes in at nine, and I toyed between uh, 10 and nine, and I think – I'll just say 10 too, and then 10's Colby for me. And I, I think – 10's Colby for like, me too. Yeah, I think those are like – you know, Max is, has the history behind it, um, and, and I think that he's just – fallen into you know recency bias but yeah it goes it goes max then then colby for me my time's aljo for the record wow that's a little behind hamza 35 chance a little disrespect on the 135 chance um but good keep those in the books talk that behind your ear everyone let us know not only what you think of ours but add yours over at twitter and it'll be a fun time the honorable uh, mentions I had written down. Oh, yeah. My list. So I had, I said I had Islam at 11. Um, I, I was considering for that Islam spot Dustin Poirier, Robert Whitaker, Corey Sandhagen, Cyril Ghan, Hamzat, and Brandon Moreno. You can't, you can't do Sandhagen, in my opinion. Um, I, I think because if you have Sandhagen, you should have TJ ahead of him, right? 
In yeah, theory. in theory. I, I, I wrote I wrote Sanhagen down when I was initially starting to go through this list. And I think it's more of what you were saying before about Piotr. If I was buying stock, I think I'd buy some Sanhagen stock right now. I think he's got all the tools if he can figure out how to defend a takedown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately for exactly what you said, I didn't add him to the list. I think my honorable mentions um, are, are obviously Bob Whitaker. I think he's if you do, if we went to 15, he's there all day long. Um, I think Dustin Poirier, I just, the, the reason why Dustin's not higher on my list, and I think a lot of people might be scratching their head, is just because I think he's now getting to that phase where he's more catering fights, picking fights. I, I don't know if he's truly, I don't know really where his head's at. And so when I look at just like the type of fights he's had recently, like the Connor win, I, I really don't throw much in the bank over that. You know, I, I really don't. And so I want to see him getting back to the gridiron of like fighting Oliveira, fighting Islam Makachev, fighting those types of guys again, not waiting for a Connor fight. Um, and then Glover Teixeira. I, I, I would have him higher, but I know the sentiment around him. I, 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 I know that he's, you know, the, his best days of striking are probably behind him, but I, I don't know. I, I think he has a good shot at Yuri. And I think that that might be one of our takes that doesn't age well, not having him inside the top, top 10. I just got buzzed from the analytics department. Yep. Reese and Dan, y'all have the same 10 fighters in your top 10. No way. There's no gaps. <laughs> Bolt, Kamaru, Olives, Aljo, Izzy, Holloway, Jan, Figgy, Francis, Colby. We always we gotta stop talking to each other. That's the real problem. We just because let's just say I had Colby on the outs, which I didn't. But all this, this is this is not scripted. Nobody knew it. No, I, I we found that out just now. That's that is, gosh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so that that's gonna put a pin in this segment. I love it, and I think. We'll do it again at year's end. I think that would be great because this is fun and seeing how how just the elites of the elites shape out and how their years change as the time goes on. We're gonna also it's perfect. It's it's yeah. MMA's version of the Jordan LeBron debate. And I mean, it wastes hours and it, there's never yeah. really a real answer. I mean, we, we another got another segment. Another segment I want to do one of these days, and this is something where we need to have a couple of beers in our system and really just talk it. And Kobe, you might just need to moderate, but uh, I don't get the drink. So, no, you get to drink. I'm saying moderate and, and not chime in as much, but more like lead the discussion so Danny and I don't rip each other's heads off. But Mount Rushmore of MMA. And, yeah, and, that's and not over You have to pick four, and you go through all the eras. I, I think that would be a fun thing. Or just top 10 pound-for-pound pound list all time. That could be pretty fun, too. Um, I'm going to go with, like, only jujitsu on my Mount Rushmore. Like, Hoist, Sakuraba, <laughs> Verna Jandiroba. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I dude, I, I, I my, mine's just going to be Matt Hughes four times. Uh, okay, let's, so, news and notes, and, it, and it's quick. We, we, we've been talking around the shop about how to, you know, how we're going to do news and notes going forward and whatever, but for this one, just because there's so many weeks and so much stuff, Kobe, just, you know, quick news and notes. I'm going to give us the highlights here. Yeah, give, give us the highlights, give us the highlights. All right, um, <laughs> I know what I'm saying that I'm giving us highlights. This is just a fun fight I'm excited for. Um, July 16th, I've got three fights to announce. Matt Chanel, Su- Sumu Derji. Mm-hmm. 
Shane Burgos. Don't, don't let us give our opinions because we'll just we'll just give our opinions all day long. Just rip them off like a band. Shane Burgos and Charles Jourdain. And then this one will probably be the main event there. Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez. Wow. I, I love that Charles Jourdain. Uh, that's Charles Jourdain, Shane Burgos is fight of the night written all over it. I mean, Dana might want to give them a bonus before they even get out there. That's that's a banger of a fight. I hope Yair shows up because that that has the makings of an awesome fight too. Yeah, it's, I the, where I wonder is how that fight plays out. Just like, are they gonna like? Is Ortega really gonna strike with Yair? I mean, that's proven to not go well for him. Or is Yair he, looked phenomenal against Holloway. He did. I mean, he lost that fight, but the fact that it when you look at how Cater did against Holloway and you look at how Ortega does against Holloway and then you see how Yair held up it's a it's a totally different it's not even the same league and so, the quickness on those kicks no one can really keep up yeah all right it, a week later in London we have officially announced Patty Pimblett and Jordan Levitt that got a lot of traction this week is this the spot that we're going to be able to fade Patty not yet I think, I think it might be Reese I don't know I've got some tape to watch but here, here's, hear me out. Hear me out. It, and this is the easiest cop out, but it's really the truth. We got to wait to see the line. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, if Patty's north of, of minus 200 and, and after that, it gets that steam of all the people who, who are on Patty's knob, then we can maybe start, you know, laying into Jordan Levitt. But if, if it's, if it's a closer line than like the four or five hundreds we've been seeing, I don't – I think I'm still going to wait. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think we'll get Levitt at around, like, 235. I mean, if plus. that's true, if that's true, I'm I'm all about that. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, though. And I think that when you look at how Patty's going and, and what's Patty's, like, what, what Patty's after, you, you'll see that he's taking a very similar approach to the Sean O'Malley where he is catering the fuck out of his schedule – and it might not even be him, his doing. It honestly might be the UFC because they know what they have on their hands. But, I mean, is Patty really worse than Claudio Poiles? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But um, interesting. That line is what I'm really excited for. That, that'll be re- – let's revisit this when the line's out. That's, that's, that's where I'm we at. We certainly right. will. Um, we got a women's fight that I, I mean, think that everyone okay. – or it'll be set the spread. Sorry, I was going to say just if it's out now, but it's going to be in set the spread. So we'll probably. Yeah, we'll, that'll be one that we try to get ahead of as fast as possible. Okay. Um, as I was saying, a women's fight that I think that we'll all be very excited for September 3rd in Paris. Keep in mind, Caitlin Chukagian and Manon Foirot. Fun. Yeah, Big step yeah. up for Foirot. Yeah, th- that fight right there is going to be the big test because Caitlin Chukagian is just a bigger version and we'll fight her style fight. So do you know what I think is going to be the big telltale for that one is fight IQ. Cause Caitlin Jukakian's had these styles of fights before and knows how to cater to the judges a little bit and get that range of point fighting. Can Faroe work with that? That's where, I, that's what I'm curious to see. And I hope we get to ride Faroe as a dog. Dog. That would be wild. If she's, a I dog. think she will be a dog. No way. I hope so. You really think so? I'm I'm hoping more than anything. It, I mean, if that happens, I mean, you you already know that Danny and I single handedly will move that that line to a minus. 
plus the ankle pick nation. You're telling me ankle pick nation isn't going to go Manuel Faroe and just start slapping it. Manuel Faroe, let's throw. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last one that I'm going to, we're going to run through today. This one's already been announced, but we got it rebooked to also September 3rd in Paris, Bobby Nux, Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, we've, we've been excited about that one. Just finally got it rebooked after what Robert Whitaker's. And that was supposed to be next week in Singapore. Sadly. Well, that'd be pretty, that would have been a cool spot for it too. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't that much news. I've been like, I, I mean, we, we all read it and then Kobe just really funnels it all in an organized matter and gets out on top of it. But if I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, mainly Kobe, but I feel like it's been a slow news week or a slow news month. It has. And it's been yeah. two weeks since we did news and notes, but there hasn't been any like huge announcements other than just some fights. Yeah. And then a lot of the news too. Oh, Danny, Ryan Hall suffers an ACL tear. Ooh, Ten how? Times. Uh, I don't know. He said it's a complete tear, probably uh, just rolling. Um, but he, he has a complete ACL tear, and he said he probably won't be in the ring until, like, 2023. So that I've got out. some uh, news and notes we haven't talked about. Um, roster for Dana White Contender Series Season 6 has officially been finalized, and we're going to get our first event July 26th. So if you like midweek fights, coming up, coming back. Who doesn't love midweek fights? And it's, by the way, how much better Contender Series has been these last few years over Tough? I, I've been keeping an eye on Tough, too. And it's I'm just, like, I'm on episode two of Tough, and I just have no, had no desire. I, I watch a lot so, of TV okay. during my workday, listeners, and I've had no desire to watch Tough. I have figured it out. So I've figured it out why it sucks. It's because they focus so much on, like, the backstory of the fighters and interviewing the individual fighters that we don't know nor care about. And there is nothing going on in the house. I mean, 60-minute episode, four minutes in the house, 51 minutes, uh, or no, like 25 minutes of like just fighter interview, just talking to some dude we don't know. And then a 25-minute decision fight of, or, of just patty cake. I don't think there's been a finish yet this season. So there has been happen. one. The heavyweights, the really old guy in the first pick, Eduardo Perez. Oh, it just happened. Spoiler yeah, alert. Spoiler yeah, alert. But yeah, if you're not caught uh, up. Spoiler alert. But outside of that, it's kind of been just mess. So I, I don't. I, yeah, I, it, I think, I think the contender series gets to the point a little bit better than tough does. But but just for the novelty of tough, I hope it doesn't go anywhere. Um, one last thing for me, as far as news and notes goes, Aljamain Sterling. So I keep I keep firing out tweets at Marab Davalishvili's way. When are you fighting, bro? What are you going to do with Aljo holding the belt? Whatever, whatever. Marab, he's on Twitter, retweeting other shit, ignores me. I don't blame the man. But Aljo, this one's big. Aljo addressed someone else who had a similar question to me saying, how is this division going to shake out with Marab being five, you being champ? And Aljo said that if Marab wins his next fight, which still is not booked, but I heard it might be Dom Cruz. Um, I don't know what that top five is looking like, but if, if Marab wins his next fight, then Aljo said he's going to move to 45. So Marab can become the first Georgian champ at 35, which is, which is, I mean, respect, which is awesome. respect gained for Aljo a hundred percent. 
that they both, for those who don't know why that matters, that they both fight out of uh, Sarah Longo MMA in, in Long Island. And they're like brothers. Rob was in his corner for the title bout, I believe. And it, it's just a great relationship. So that was awesome to see. And I love that Marab, you know, has a shot to, to, to hold gold, which is always something you want to see. So we got anything else or we call on it? I think Dan and I are just shocked that Marab wasn't part of your top 10. I wanted to put him at three, but he got dropped by Marlon. So what Not even an honorable mention? How, how can he be? Yeah, he, he doesn't fight. He doesn't fight. I'm sitting here like, is Marab ever going to fight again? I, I don't know what his deal is. But what I do know is I would be hard-pressed for someone to tell me someone with better cardio than him. I mean, we're maybe Holloway. I don't know, dude. <laughs> Rob is a fucking energizer bunny. When he fought, I don't even remember who he fought, where he hit shot for like 31 takedowns. Have you ever seen Holloway get tired and there's a five-round fights? And this has been our weekly segment on Rob DeVallisvili. Yeah, I love that. Right, <laughs> that that was talking to Rob DeVallisvili for the week. Yeah, and I'm going to fire out some more tweets his way because he's bothering me. You know what we're going to do? We're going to clip this, and I'm going to fire a tweet at Marab and say, Marab. All right, let's break into this week's card. So here's the trivia question for you, Country Club. This is UFC Vegas what? 56. Is that what we're going with? They, they nope. do a horrible job of publicizing this. But so UFC Vegas, 56. This Saturday, um, June fourth, fourth, and and Kobe, you already know I'm gonna fucking bitch and moan. It's a noon start time this Saturday. A really early start. Prelims noon, main card three p.m. This is Central. Zero, zero chance they're listening to me, but that's some cheese. So we're we're gonna it's gonna be an early night for me. I'm gonna be sleeping by nine. But let's get after it. So. First things first, Aaron Blanchfield versus J.J. Aldridge is the curtain jerker at 125. And, I mean, we've talked about – we've talked Aaron Blanchfield up beyond belief, and the line says exactly what we talk about. Aaron Blanchfield is minus 485. J.J. Aldridge is plus 385. Line opened at 410 and has kind of just ever so slightly just continued to go. Um, also, last thing, we're using five dimes here, but ac across a lot of sites, she's into the – fives even mid fives um fan duel she's at 590 but they juice the shit out of their mma lines but damn we're seeing record i mean we're seeing like amanda nunez size lines here with blanchfield i mean it's it seems like a lot but i i, I hate i don't want to bet the other side still yeah i mean it's it's what you were just saying blanchfield is elite jj is not i'm comfortable with an aaron blanchfield parlay piece we're not playing i'm not applying any science here no applied sciences um on this woman's fight but um yeah i'm, I'm comfortable with blanchfield as a parlay piece just get, get the night started out with a one-sided beat down while we're talking about science can i give a quick update love to um our most recent card was the home ketlin Vieira card made out like a bandit on the science plus 11.6 units, bringing us to plus 24.2 units on the year. Ooh, wow. That is a crazy card for women's dog. Wow. Who was the big catalyst for that? It was the was main event split decision was, yeah, was yeah, huge. Yeah. Which main was event a, split decision and then also Hughes over Elise Reed in the curtain. Dude, Joker. that split decision too got a a lot of, I got a lot of talk. Yeah, it did. That was like the news story for a, a, at least a week cycle. 
Um, so this is a name that I don't even want to begin to pretend like I can say. Renat Fakharadinov. Um, but he, he's a middleweight, a Russian middleweight, making his UFC debut. And he's actually coming off a win. This is what um, I managed to find tape on, Dan, over at MMA Corps, over that, uh, that win over Eric Spicely, um, who's a, a UFC vet and a tough vet. Um, but he's fighting Andres Mikolaitis. And the line is a lot for a newcomer, especially because Mikolaitis showed some strengths before getting the ultimate finish of Pereira. But um, Renat is minus 260. Mikolaitis is plus 220. Line opened at actually plus 220. So I think that the market's having a tough time gauging what side to take, even at this line. And for me, Dan, he, he, the simple truth, and, and I know it's a cop-out, but it really is the truth. I, I could comfortably tell you what Mikolaitis is capable of and what Mikolaitis is bringing to the table. I really am comfortable saying I think I, I'm pretty sure I, I know what his skill sets look like. I've seen enough. But Renat, it's like outside of the um, Eric Spicely finish, which is nothing crazy. I mean, Eric Spicely was chinny on the tail end of the UFC. I couldn't find almost no footage. A lot of the fights that I could find were from 10 years ago, eight years ago, and it was bad. I, so I'm not even going to pretend like I can tell you what he's bringing to the table outside that 20 and two record. Um, and so I, I'm interested to hear your take because the line could be the most value line you ever get on this dude if he comes out here and rolls Michaelitis, but it could also look like one of the dumbest bets ever if you, if you lay 220 on a newcomer who gets smoked. Yeah, you said it. I didn't. I didn't even watch the Spicely fight, so this one's a pass for me. It was cool. I want to say Michaelitis. I want to go with the dog that's got the experience advantage. Um, I just like you said. I know what Michaelitis is going to bring. I don't know what Fakhradinov is going to bring. So he might be the real deal. I'm passing. Yep, and and something worth noting for everyone. Um, I and, and again, I don't know how closely this even really matters, but. Just pay attention to see where this line moves if you are tempted to bet it. It really hasn't moved much, but it I think that if you if it moves in in either direction, you'll you'll be able to get a play down on it. I just don't know at this line. There's no tell on where the public is. There's no tell on what Vegas needs. There's no tell on anything really. I don't know if it's really been bet. So I would lay off this. Um, for sure right now but unless something crazy comes out it's a tough tough buy. and I will say although he's a Russian that has a neck beard he's not Dagestani this this cat's from Moscow so don't get that confused if you're looking to bet on just a a Dagestani guy whose name ends in a V (laughs) Um, usually a safe play historically so next fight up the card is I believe the Jeff it is Jeff Molina versus Zalgas Zumagulov and we had an interesting Twitter uh, prediction. Ben Davis, I believe, said he likes Jeff Molina here by knockout. Molina's minus 180. Zuma Gulov is plus 160. Um, the what line, is that knockout number? So the knockout number, Danny had it in a parlay with his other prediction, but the knockout, Molina TKO KO is plus 450 across the board. Um, and Molina opened at minus 180 and is steamed up. So, you know, I think... The question is, I mean, I like Molina here. I, I think Zuma Gulov is underrated, and I know he's had a tough stint in UFC. I think his record is worse than his actual skill level. I agree. But is is the 180 better than – I mean, I think 
Davis is onto something with the fact that getting plus 450 on Molina's most likely outcome, I think, is better than paying the 180 with that decision because Molina's pro- is not going to sub it. Um, it's it's interesting you're saying most likely outcome when Vegas has over two and a half at a minus 200. Vegas is saying that there's going to be no finish here and that we're going to see the cards. You, you know, most likely outcome is a, mis, is a misspeak. I mean, I, I, when you're looking at, what is this, 25 or 35? 25, yeah. you're, you're looking at it to see the cards. Um, but I, I meant more if there is a finish, it's going to be by knockout. Which is I agree crazy. there. But and I, I'm, yeah, I'm cautious here because, like you said, our guy Bain is, is on Jeff Molina. There's a lot of people on Jeff Molina. He's a fan favorite, especially on Twitter. And I'm trying to figure out how much of that has to do with how active he is on Twitter. He, he's one of those fighters that similar to Chase Hooper is responding, is interacting with fans, is interacting with gamblers. I'm trying to figure out if he's the flavor of the day, flavor of the day or if he's a real contender. And he's looked great. He's a glory of a May, James Krause game plan kind of guy. I, he's got checks a lot of good boxes. I yeah. just am looking at the, the talent level of these opponents and even in the UFC. It's Daniel De Silva who just got knee barred by Little Figgy. It's Aori Keeling. It's Jacob Silva. It's just not. It's it's a different list of guys on the other side. I mean, we're talking Manel Cape, Amir Albazi, Halim Paiva. Although, yeah, but all those are losses for sure. But you're also no, and I agree. He, he, but you're also looking at a 24 year old who's at, fighting at glory and, and evolving every second of every day. Definitely. Uh, so you know, I go back and forth on this, Dan. I I. I thought Zuma Gulov was value going in um, at that plus line, but the knockout does does look decent. I, I won't lie. It looks good. So I'm leaning a little bit on the Zuma Gulov side, to be honest. I think just this just might be a little bit too big of a line here with the Jeff dog Molina. Price, I, the dog price, yeah. I won't lie, is tempting. I do like that aspect of it. And Jeff Molina's always had – exciting fights and he's an exciting striker he puts on the pace he overwhelms you but he's overwhelming guys that aren't the same skill level as Alga Zumagulov I mean we're talking about a guy that's got a victory over Tagir Ulenbekov victory over Tyson Nam those are big names really skilled motherfuckers I I don't know it's it's hard for me on this one because I don't want to I mean bet against a guy who I think could be a real contender one day, but he hasn't shown me that he is there yet. And I think that there might be a little bit of like slapping the hand on the cookie jar here for Zalgus. And and he's going to show Molina that the mid-level guys in every division are fucking tough. And and it's, it's crazy to say that Zuma Gulov's the mid-level guy too. You know what I mean? Like he's so talented. He's just that, that last notch up has always given him troubles um mm. okay so now we have an ankle picker himself tony gravely gravely do we always do that um and he's fighting we John- as in you by the way what we as in you but it's all no, good oh you fuckers do it too <laughs> um but we're we're looking at a guy tony gravely and he's fighting johnny munoz jr who's 11 and one and the line is tony gravely minus 140 and Johnny Munoz Jr. plus 122. Gravely actually opened at minus 175, and it's come all the way down to 142, which is something I, a bone I do want to pick because 
so I, I'm going to, I'm just going to get into my stance now. I was going to like give it to Danny, but I'm just going to take it. So Johnny Munoz Jr. Lost to Nate Menez unanimous decision. I ran that tape back because um, Tony also lost to Nate Menez. Very different fighters or di- very different fights. And the big thing is Tony got caught, but dominated Nate Maness every other second of the fight. Johnny Munoz Jr. Didn't really put good moments together. I mean, it was unanimous decision. There were moments where he looked the part. It was his octagon debut, but he, he outside of a Jamie Simons win, I haven't seen enough from, from Johnny Munoz to tell me that he's going to pass this Tony Gravely test. And Tony Gravely, the line's going the opposite direction. I think Tony Gravely's well worth the bet at minus 140. And I'm hoping Dan doesn't, Dan and Kobe don't tell me that I'm just a biased motherfucker. You're not. I'm, I'm all over it with you. I think that this is one of the best matchups Tony's had since right? we interviewed him. Okay, good. I feel so much better. Also, so, I was talking to – shout out Mike Brown. He's a coach over at ATT, and I talked to him at backstage at PFL when he was working with Kyla Harrison. Nicest guy ever. He actually took the time to talk with me for quite a bit. And he was saying – we both were like, oh, yeah, Tony. We talked to Tony. Tony's a great guy. Um, so when he's in your corner and the ankle pickers are in your corner, who am I to tell you you're going to lose? It's tough. It's- For real. I mean, I mean, the, the pickers, they, they know Tony. He's a phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal athlete. And Boxing in his hands are coming around. He's a, he's a phenomenal fighter. And somehow he's an even better just guy, which is crazy to me. Definitely. And, and I'm not trying to say that Munoz doesn't have anything for him. He has a tricky submission game. I mean, I think that he's a, a Abu Dhabi world champion, if I'm not mistaken, which is absolutely as legit That's as it can get in terms of gi jiu-jitsu. But I don't think his MMA jits is world-class. If I'm looking at Simon Oliveira versus Johnny Munoz, who's the bigger threat off the back, I'm going Simon Oliveira. I, I almost think these lines should have been flip-flopped. We saw Gravely as a minus 250 favorite over Simon. Um, and I love, I love the experience that Tony got in that fight. And I think that it's going to be a similar kind of thing here. I think that he's going to be able to piece up Munoz on the feet. I really believe that Tony's going to have his way as long as it stays standing. And we've seen him be smart. We've seen him execute his wrestling in a really smart way. And that's, or sorry, I keep thinking you're done with the ball. No, 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 I was just going to say that's something that you are hitting the nail bet on the head is in the striking department. It is all Tony. In the clinch department, it is all Tony. And the question comes into the to the MMA grappling aspects that Munoz brings to the table. Sorry, I just want to I think re- it's Tony. Reiterate but- that you're you're dead on the mark with that with most facets of where this fight takes place. Tony's getting the nod for sure. You touched a little bit about the line moving, and there seems to be money coming in on this Munoz side. And I, I've seen Twitter cappers, um, and I say that with a bit of disdain talking about how Tony's got all these submission losses. I mean, it's like Manny Bermudez, Pat Sabatini in your second pro fight. Pat Sabatini in your second pro fight. It's Brett Johns. I mean, Johnny Munoz is not Pat Sabatini. He's not Brett Johns. Nate Maness himself said, as you said, it's fought both. Nate Maness said, oh, yeah, I've got Tony in this one for sure. I love the Tony side. The other thing, too, that – that we talked about last time Tony was on was how much improved his um, submission defense looked fight over fight. Remember? Cause I told him 
for me, that was a point of concern going into the uh, Oliveira fight that was there for me, just based on some of the tough positions he found himself in in other fights. He looked so much improved fight over fight. And I, 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 it's, I'm shocked that this is getting bet in the direction that it's getting bet. Me too. It sounds like we're both on Tony. I love that we're on the same page for that one. Um, next fight up the card is Benoit St. Denis versus Nicholas Stolci. And sorry, these names like give me almost a headache. St. Denis is minus 152. Uh, Stolze is plus 132. Lines showed little movement. You know, it's gone both directions here and there, but all in all, it's around the same spot. But th- this fight, Dan, I'll, I'll, I've been taking the last couple right off the rip. Th- give, give us your opinion here. This is another one I didn't spend a ton of time taping. Uh, from the Benoit fight that I did watch, I saw he has a great chin, but it also meant that I was seeing him get hit a bunch. He looked so hittable. He looked like he was just walking down shots, not really taking them seriously. And, and that's just not going to work for the rest of your career. It's it's this, I mean, Stoltz has quick hands. He's not like an unreal striker. I actually don't rate him very highly anywhere, but I think that it, it could be a good shot. I mean, we're talking about a guy in, in Benoit who came in and was supposedly this great wrestler, and then he fights Easy Dos Santos and goes two for 12 on takedowns against Easy Dos Santos. So that's one, Easy stuffing 10 of your 12, and two, Easy got up 10, or he got up the other two times. I mean, you had to attempt 10 or 12 or double-digit takedowns while Easy's just standing up and standing up. I don't see the top pressure from Benoit being a super – high level or anything i'm not excited about the other side but i think that still says a live dog if there's a gun to my head i'm taking the dog here so anyone who gets finished by jared good and i refuse to to bet but first round mind you but what here's here's a bet that kind of comes to mind for me dan the under two and a half thoughts i like the under a lot more in the next fight but um because I way. think that both these guys have glaring holes that both of them could hit the right button to capitalize on. I don't know. I might be overanalyzing. I just it. didn't spend enough time in this one, for, to be honest. Okay. I, res- I respect that. Uh, oh, so here's another one. Uh, same Twitter. Um, Damon Jackson versus Daniel Argetta. And that's at 145. And the line here is Damon Jackson minus six. 50 Argetta plus 475 but the approach was potentially um Jackson uh yeah Jackson by submission here at minus 115 which I think Jackson inside the distance at 145 might be the better play I think that he I'm on that right but I like um, the under I like Jackson I like Jackson inside the distance Jackson Blanchfield parlay plus something else is is going to be on my card I, I'm all over Jackson in this fight. I think you can't go wrong with any of those. Honestly, I really don't think you can go wrong with any of those. It's more is the, my big thing is you can't play the line straight for sure. What you can do is play the submission, but I would almost rather have the finish, right? Submission. I'm still seeing it like even money minus minus one ten. If you're getting minus minus one forty for including a knockout, that's, to me, that's a way better price. So shout out Ben Davis for both 
both uh, suggestions, Molina KO and Damon by sub, both fun options to find out, you know, or to find a way to play fights that might be a little bit harder to play. Not so much in Molina, but definitely for this Damon Jackson fight, it's about finding spots. Yeah, and across from him, Dan Argetta, we talked about when Tercios ran through him on the Ultimate Fighter. You're seeing him as an 8-0 undefeated, but he lost an exhibition. It doesn't count whatever to his record. We were talking about that as a future fade spot. I'm not sure how he's getting UFC fights still. And like, I don't know, like, in all honesty, it should just be Brian Battle, um, Ricky Tertios, and maybe Trayshawn Gore. Yeah, maybe. Um, Bad season talent-wise, but. Right, and this guy is just not the same. Not to mention, we're talking about a guy who – was like a minus 350 favorite in an LFA title match less than 30 days ago, fought to a five round split decision as a big favorite, got a sour taste in his mouth and is now turning around to take a short notice fight up a weight class as his UFC debut. To me, that's a huge recipe for disaster. Let's also add that he usually fights Bantamweight and is taking this at featherweight. So another just negative, but again, the line 650. So Pick your spot. We're like in Jackson by finish. Joe Selecki versus Alex Da Silva is next at 55. And all oh, my tabs are fucked up. Um, Alex Da Silva's plus one. I'm going to call it 50. It's 40. You know how fucking five times is with all the sevens and twos. Joe Selecki minus 170. And the line opened at Selecki minus 250, Dan. And it hasn't been like a quick hit that just drops this line. It's been just a steady decline until it's found its home at 170 here. Um, still in favor of Selecki, but interesting to see that Alex De Silva is getting the love. Yeah, I almost see it. I think Kobe and I talked about a women's fight that had a similar odds movement a couple of weeks ago um, that ended up hitting, but I see some real value here. I backed Joe Selecki in the past. Uh, I, I know and I'm confident that he has great jujitsu. You get him on if he gets on your back, you're in huge trouble. He recently just submitted Cowboy, who has been phenomenal in these grappling tournaments. As bad as he he's looked in the octagon, he's uh, I think he tapped out RDA twice in one night a couple months ago. But um, that's crazy, right? Isn't that not nuts? That's crazy. That's not talked about enough. But Joe Selecki tapped him out, so we've got a guy who's phenomenal jits. We know that the rest of his game's decent, well rounded. Um, he's a smart fighter. I remember in that Jared Gordon fight, there were two really close rounds and where Selecki was getting most of his advantage from grappling. He got a little tired and Jared was just too strong with stuffing the takedowns and Selecki bit down on the mouthpiece. And I, I scored that third round for him, just swinging, swinging and banging um, something that's not his style, but knew when he had to do it. And I thought he did it well. I like this matchup for him. De Silva seems just a little bit, green to me still i think he's gonna come into his own a little bit more he seems just like a great athlete to me more than anything i see that he's got good wrestling i'm confident selecki can grapple with him um i've also seen just De silva go really aggressive when he's shooting for those takedowns and just attempt one after the other after the other and i think that that could put him in a really really dangerous waters if he's not having success in the first like three and i i think selecki's game for that i I mean, you took the words out of my mouth for a lot of it. Um, Might as the scoring. I'm not going to give you that, Matt. But, um, yeah, I I, I think – I kind of knew we were both going to see it that way. But 
Joe Selecki looking promising as always. So this next fight's very interesting. And this is also the prelim capper, which was an interesting choice by the matchmakers or the, the, the people making the schedule. But Carolina Kovalkiewicz, a name that I truly never thought I was going to see again, is fighting after five straight losses. Andraj, Watterson, Grasso, Jan Shinan, and then most recently an armbar loss to Jessica Penny. <laughs> I don't know who owes her what. Five straight losses. She's now drawing Felice Tarek here for the prelim capper. Before but who the- was the last woman she beat? Carolina? Yeah. Felice Herrick. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oh, God. And Felice Herrick is 37. And she's lost to Carolina Kolgavich, Michelle Watterson, and then most recently armbarred by Jandaroba. So the MMA Mount uh, Rushmore, Verna Jandaroba. Don't get that mistaken. Right. So this is the battle of, I guess, pink slips in my eyes. Um, and the line is Felice Herrick minus 117, Carolina Kolbukiewicz minus 103. Um, it actually opened at Kovalkiewicz plus 125 and has come down a little bit. But what's so crazy is seeing Kovalkiewicz, a dog here, to Felice Herrig when back when she was fighting Alexa Grasso, for example, the line was Kovalkiewicz minus 200. When she was fighting, like the Jessica Andrade line on the Wood Tilly uh, Wood um, Till card. Oh, Kovalkiewicz was a huge dog there. Um, one of these, a couple of these fights, she was talked about in a vein like she was a contender. Um, and and it, it obviously has aged very poorly. Um, but so, I mean, not that I even want to bother getting into predictions here. Oh, she was minus 110 against Grasso. Not that we want to even get into predictions here, but I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? I didn't tape this. I wrote down pass as my only note. Let's ride the science. Okay, so science, there might not even be science. They're both going to have a minus next to their name. But, yeah, I, I mean, I stay as far away. This is where you cook your burgers, go grab your beers. Literally stay as far away from this fight as possible. Don't get cute. Don't do over. Don't do under. Don't pick a side. This is – this is – stay as far how away. Did they, how did they organize – the ballot order for this and i'm not even complaining about the quality of their card who's in charge of this i'd rather have blanchfield aldrich i'd rather have like even if you're not putting like yeah even if you're not putting a men's fight like what do we what it seems like they just like can i tell you all something 52 card pick up this two days ago this fight was on the main card (laughs) someone someone got fired and then they changed it They replaced um, it with, like, Pollyanna Botello and Kareem Silva. Like, is that better? Technically, they replaced it with Odie Osborne and Zaruk Adeshev, but whatever. It's Zaruk Adeshev is a whole other can of worms how he's rostered, but we'll bite out that, that bullet in a couple fights. Okay, let's get into the main card. We have, after that abysmal prelim capper that got someone in the UFC headquarters fired, Alonzo Manyfield. I actually just sold his one-on-one the other day, but he's still beast. Versus Askar Mazarov. That dude is inked to the gills. This is uh, a funny one. I'm not sure if you guys were following all the saga. I was. On Twitter so and whatnot. He's from Ukraine, and I saw that they took away – or they so they added four wins or took away four wins and added four losses, something like that. It's kind yeah, of like every he, time you refresh the page, he's got a worse record. Yeah. He, he had a misreported topology record somehow, and – 
they were contacting like these fight promotions that he had listed on his record and they were like yeah he did not compete in what he's saying he competed in and it was a whole debacle fuck i know i heard rumblings of it and i just like i basically was just like i'm ignoring this like i don't even know what to make of this the dude looks like an absolute sociopath and he's also stuck in this uh profession because he does have neck tattoos um, but he's fighting Alonzo Manyfield here, and the line is reasonable. Um, I, I'm actually excited to see the movement. Alonzo Manyfield is minus 245. Um, Maz- Mazarov is plus 205. If you have a Betway account, it's actually 188 for Manyfield. But here's where it's funny. Manyfield opened at minus 140, and as the stories unfold, he is now 245. So a ton of steam going that way just from the fact that I, I don't even know. People are probably just like, what the fuck is going on here? But yeah, I mean, this is a guy in Asker. I mean, the people on the streets are calling him Trasker. Hopefully that age as well. <laughs> but he's fought on the Chinese regional scene for his whole career against just pathetic guys. He's tapping the strikes against a 14 and 10 dude. Um, he was supposed to get signed by the pfl and pulled out due to some sort of mysterious injury and then was supposed to be given ben rothwell when rothwell was given um what's his name the dude who does flips and is a super heavyweight but is five five it was literally oh, when the uh, ufc was trying to give rothwell barnett, a free barnett, win barnett. yeah barnett it was when the ufc was trying to give rothwell a free win they signed mozarov off he had visa issues then they're trying to give dustin jacoby one mozarov withdraws now he's fighting Alonzo Menafield. I mean, just even in those list of names, you can kind of hear the trajectory of like, oh, Ben Rothwell to Justin Jacoby. Now he's got Menafield. That's what the UFC thinks of him. And now this whole debacle of him misreporting his uh, record, and there's even rumblings out of China that some of the early losses that he took, he there's rumblings that he might have lost on purpose and taking a payday which is something that would be ridiculous and and so i would be if i was dana i'd be surprised or i wouldn't be willing to let this guy fight in my promotion if he's ever thrown a fight i've heard rumbling so i'm sure dana has but who knows so danny it sounds like and you can correct me if i'm wrong that you're all over askar askar trash trash car here i would actually be on the other side there i I like (laughs) alonzo manyfield What about Even Manyfield though, like finish? If this man's tapping to strikes, Manyfield probably can finish this mug. Um, let's see. Manyfield by finish. In, Manyfield inside the distance is minus 165. Betway has it at minus 125. The problem Fandle with Alonzo Manyfield, though, is he's got a little bit of Ryan Span in him. He just, like, goes out there, and you're not sure that he's going to Wait, you say Manyfield does? He's got a little bit of a Ryan Spann in him. 100%. 100%. 1,000%. He does. And they, and both have, they both train at Fortis, too, right? Right. Yeah. Which is – which is so does Damon Jackson, though, and there's a lot of really talented guys at Fortis, and I actually think Saif Saoud is an unbelievable coach. But these men of field and, and um, whatever the comparison I just made, Ryan Spann, you don't know what you're going to get, and it's a little bit scary. It's just sometimes they don't show up. I do think that he's just way better than Traskar here. Um, 
But yeah, if he wasn't so unreliable, I'd be hammering it. It's just a regular play. It's it's hard to not wish so badly that, that we got it at open. You know, it's just there were unknowns that are now just getting revealed every single day that makes it so like 245. I mean, we because we could have easily hammered this at 140. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you, you play your cards as they're dealt. So that that's more just to be fun to see how that one unfolds and to see what all that shit looks like. Um, okay. Let's continue up the card here. We have, sorry, my fucking computer is terrible. Okay, we have Ode Osborne versus Zarush Adeshev. And Zarush Adeshev is four and three professionally and is still rostered in the UFC. And the line is Ode Osborne minus 185, Adeshev plus 160. The line opened at Ode minus 160. And the truth behind this, Dan, from a betting perspective is like, because obviously from an MMA perspective, I'm like, oh, Ode Osborne has this handedly. From a betting perspective, that line is way too fishy for me to even think about betting or even getting close to this fight. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I've got a, I've got a play for this fight. It's not, not either of the sides. I've got both of them as decent kickboxers. Zarouk probably edges him out for me in terms of sharpness, but not to say that he's like some kind of elite striker. Um, the other thing on that is that Odie's going to have an eight-inch reach advantage. And, it, and that's weird because Odie doesn't work behind his chat. So what does that even really mean? Not much to me. Both of them are one-dimensional to me. Adesha has a zero grappling game, while Odie is, Odie is somewhat of an offensive wrestling game, even though it's not crazy strong. I tend to think he has more tools to win this fight, so I agree with you. But I just haven't been really impressed by Odie in his, his last couple. What I, I like here is the over two and a half. Okay. Minus 127 right now. That seems like a great number for two guys who I don't see a lot of finishing ability. I see zero submission threat and they're both strikers. They should be good enough defensively and strong enough defensively to not just leave their chin out there. It's not, that's not a pattern I've seen. I know when we talk about um, some other guys, we talk about them exiting exchanges, just unprotected with their chin waving up in the air. These aren't these guys I think we'll get the over. I honestly don't hate that. I think that's, 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 it's especially the size too. Is this, yeah, 25. So 125 overlooks palatable, especially what was the line again? You said 27? Yep. Nice. Uh, Poliana Botello, who's I think taken over a year layoff, is taking on Kareem Silvio, who's making her UFC debut. And the line here is Botello plus 100. Silva minus 120. The line has pretty much stayed absolutely flat. I think it opened at 130. Dan, I didn't take much here. I'm going science. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't either. Let's let's just keep it short and sweet. It's crazy how it just gets to the point where it's like women's fights. Uh, I'm not gonna look at much. Okay, here's a, here's one that that might have an edge. Mike Trezano, who I was really impressed with his last performance against Lucas Almeida and the line is Almeida plus 180, Mike Trezano minus 220. Line hasn't moved much here. It, it, it moved a little bit early and it's come back to where it opened. But Mike Trezano really impressed me against uh, – oh, no, it was not against Dowdu. It was two fights ago against Ludovic Klein. Um, and he's had a tough run in his own right. Uh, Grant Dawson, Ludovic Klein, and Akeem Dowdu. That, that's 
not easy pickings. Also, Luis Pena in 2018. Obviously, we know about like who Luis Pena is now and whatever. Right. But he he was long and had great jits and was definitely sure. yeah, a tough debut to make, I guess. And he was one of the front runners on that tough season. So, yeah, Trezano's had a tough run at it, but we have a guy not across from him and Lucas Almeida who actually lost his contender series fight, then won on the regional scene, and now is is getting his crack at the big time show. Thirty one years old. Um, I mean, here's where I'm at. I watched the contender series fight back. I know what Trezano brings to the table, and I've watched. Um, I watched the Ludovic performance, even though stylistically he might not be the closest to Almeida. And it's hard for me to not get behind Trezano. I just think that the skill gap is that big. So I think he actually is a little similar to um, how that Ludovic Klein fight laid out. And I watched the same contender series fight. It seemed like Almeida came on fast. Uh, he started really strong. He had this pace. Uh, I think Felder was talking all this about, you'll see that for the full 15 minutes, you didn't. In round two, he got taken down. He gassed. He was gone. I think we might see a decent live bet opportunity here if round one doesn't go great. But I agree with you. This is actually the end of my uh, parlay I mentioned earlier. If you got Blanchfield, Jackson, and Trezano, it pays slightly plus money. I'm, I'm talking plus 110. Um, and I like that a lot. I honestly like that a lot too. That's that's the only concern I have about him is he can be somewhat low volume at times, but he's a great counter puncher. And like we said about Almeida's, if he's going to come out fast and slow down as he slows down and starts looping those big right hands, Trezano's going to counter him and counter him hard. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun as long as we get the game plan I'm expecting from Almeida. There might be a parlay cash plus live bet opportunity here. Uh, I definitely could see the live bet aspect, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's also just the UFC debut effect. I, I take relatively serious and other people. I mean, I know Dom Cruz is kind of like mess. So we'll see. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what that how that plays out. Okay, now we're getting into the fights that I know is getting a lot of buzz. And this one in particular has gotten a lot of buzz in the media. Dan Ige, who's had probably the toughest stretch of opponents out of anyone, is fighting undefeated Movzar Evelev. And the line is massive. You know what's hilarious, not to cut you off? Yeah, go ahead. I think on set the spread, we asked, who is Dan Ige's management? Who's his representation? It's the best in the business. It's Ali Abdelaziz. This is all Dan's doing. Like he's he's for sure signing off on all these. He wants all these fights because he's a fucking so, badass. Even though it's so going to be bad for his career. So that's what's so interesting. So Movzar Evelev is minus four ten. Danny Gay's plus three thirty. The line opened at two forty five. Plus two forty five for Gay has come all the way up to three thirty. And there's been a ton of talk in the media mainly around Danny Gay and why he's selecting his fights and kind of where his mindset has been at with these fights selections. And he said that he got to a point where he wasn't even, he was, he was annoyed with fighting. He was kind of done with the fight game and it was after his back-to-back losses and he's really feeling renewed. 
Um, he feels like, I think one of his direct comments is he's coming to this Movzar fight. Oh, and oh, he's not worried about his record. He knows what he's capable of. He knows where his skill set lies. I, I, I think it's really hard. I actually think it's near impossible to bet, bet Evelov at, at 410 here. I mean, even the names that we were just listing that he gave fought, I don't think any of them finished him. Yeah, it was unanimous decision Josh Emmett, unanimous decision Korean Zombie, unanimous decision Calvin Cater, albeit one-sided um, in a lot of those. it's He's he's not an easy out. He's going to give you a tough fight. I think Mobs are obviously 15-0, obviously extremely talented, very long for 45. But I think this is definitely up there with his toughest fight yet. He showed – I mean, he – Split decision, Nick Lentz, and he showed to me cracking points against uh, Hakeem Dawadu. I, I, and even Grundy. He hasn't had a perfect fight in his last three. I'm hard-pressed to not I, – I mean, I think I'm going to end up passing when push comes to shove, but it's hard for me to, to not bet Ige at 330. That is a big clip. So here's why. I, I went into this taping session thinking I'm going to be all over Ige – at the time, I think it was only like minus 280. We were only getting like a plus 250 on EA the, the other way. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be all over EA with the value. I came around to where Reese ended. I'm passing. Yeah. I think Avlov is going to smoke him. And, and what really led me to that was the TKZ fight. And we're talking about TKZ, who as good as his jits is, his wrestling's not good. It's, it's really not. And he was all over EA. It was to the it was a one-sided fight the whole time, but specifically with the takedown and the ground control on someone who's half the the top pressure heavy wet blanket that Mosar is in TKZ just really was not the good sign. And so I will not be playing Danny Ige at all. I think he's gonna get wrestled fucked for 15 minutes. <laughs> I can see that. And I can see that. So I guess the only real way to go about this is another caps off to Ige for taking any fight anywhere, anytime. But outside- I'll be rooting for him. I really would love him to get a victory here. His fight versus Mursad Bektich at, um, we're now mentioning the Jones-Reyes card for the second time tonight. But I was in the room and that was one of the most fun ways to get a card started. It was like the second or third fight on the card, half empty room and everyone was going nuts. It was so fun. I love it. Main event time, guys. And I don't know where we'll be at on this one. Alexander Volkov is fighting Jarzinho Rosenstroik. Heavyweight bout. Main event of the evening. Volkov at minus 150. Jarzinho at plus 130. The line has moved a little bit in favor of Jarzinho. It opened at 165 for Volkov. It's come down a little bit. I think the big storyline to this is... Both of these guys are kickboxers. Both of these guys have mixed bags of records. And I think that Volkov, right now, his career, after he got absolutely rolled by Aspinall and also just dominated from the outside by Cyril, I think right now you're sitting on a Volkov with the lowest sentiment around him. The line is proving that, and people are betting Biggie Boy. The reason why I'm excited for to bring this fight up to you dan is because i know that you've always been a vocal fan of 
really both these fights, but especially Biggie Boy, who is uh, Jarzinho. I, I really want to hear where your mindset's at on this fight because I'm still backing Volkov because I think that the range is way too hard to overcome, albeit Jarzinho has a ton of striking elements to his game. I think Volkov at this price is a steal, but I'd be lying if I said that Aspinall performance most recently didn't scare the shit out of me. And so that's why it's like a reluctant Volkov. And so I'm curious where you're at. We're ending up in the same place. Uh, How we got there is a little different, but I'm actually going to be on Volkov pretty heavily. I'm agreeing with everything you said. This is the least juice his name is carried in the last five years. Um, we're A year ago, we're talking about a guy who was evenly lined with Cyril Gan. Um, and obviously, things haven't gone his way since then. Lost to Cyril. Really tough fight, but a win over Marcin Tybura. And then ran through by Tom Aspinall. But I really am not holding that Tom Aspinall fight as a discredit to him at all. And, and there are a lot of people especially on Twitter, talking about how Volkov is washed. I'm absolutely not buying that narrative. Hmm. Tom Aspinall. For sure. The the takedowns that Tom Aspinall got are something that he has zero concern about with Biggie Boy. And although Biggie Boy has power that carries over 25 minutes, we saw that it, it, as good and as smart and as experienced as Volkov is as a striker, I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes that um, Uberi made. The only thing that really concerns me about this is it being in the apex cage and having not as much room to move around. But even there, I think just the different mindset that Volkov's going to be in in this fight versus the last three. Marcin Tybura <laughs> shot for like 15 takedowns, and Volkov stuffed most of them. Obviously, Tom Aspinall is a different animal when it comes to getting those takedowns, and that's more what I, what I learned from the Aspinall fight than Volkov being off a step or, or whatever. I think that we're going to see Volkov get right back in the driver's seat, take his victory and um, really style on Jarzinho who's hittable. There's no fear from you with the title picture pretty far out of favor for Volkov over that 33 hump. Dropped two of his last three pretty decisively. That there's a chance this one just that the fire that you need is just not there. That this one might just not go his way. I mean, there's there's always a a slight fear of that. Well, but so I agree. But for some reason around this fight, that fear is greater for me than usual. For some reason, I can't tell you why. So I'm gonna take us back. Not a full year ago, but around nine months ago, there was another heavyweight contender fighting Jarzinho Rosenstrike off a loss, seemingly very far away from the title picture. A one Curtis Blades after getting knocked out from Derek Lewis. A similar, a similar sentiment of, do you think he believes that he can climb that ladder again? Do you think he believes he can get back in with Cyril Gaon rising, Tom Aspinall, all these guys? And I think that... That's fair. And I've always been high on Curtis Blades and I've always been high on Volkov. So the reason that the sentiment change for me is so different is interesting because I, I love Curtis Blades. I think he's a top, I think he's a title. I honestly think he's a title holder. So. And that was a different situation. That was 
Curtis Blades coming off of a brutal knockout, going up against another crazy power puncher. This is Volkov having a lot of trouble with, with the grappling of Aspinall and not being able to stuff a takedown and just getting straight arm barred like that knife through butter. Don't right. you think he's going to welcome this matchup? Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's hit each other in the face. You're not going to touch me as much as I touch you. I guarantee you that. For sure. For sure. And, and you just know that Volkov relishes the opportunity for that reach advantage to take a factor and stay out of range. And I know we got caught by Derek Lewis, but that's the one thing that makes me feel more comfortable that we're not going to have an overeem outcome is that Volkov can keep that head and, and at, at a range that Biggie Boy is going to have a tough time closing that distance and actually getting there. Definitely. And I do think it says a lot. We've been talking about how good Tom Aspinall is and how, how much I'm excited for his title run. I think it says a lot that he walked in that matchup and said, I don't want to stay on my feet with you. I'm going right for this takedown. And he got it right away. It worked. The game plan was perfect. But I think it says a little bit that he's like, no, dude, we're not, we're not punching each other. I'm taking you down and I'm going to break your arm until you tap. So let's go for one more question here then. Do you bet it now that the line has come down from 65 to 50 to 50? Or do you continue to wait to see if that trend keeps going? I'm probably going to submit a unit or two now in my, in my betmma.tips. And then I might add to it on fight day, depending on how it moves. I'm not so keyed in in the market for how this one has been moving. It seems like it's been, like you said, coming a little bit biggie boys way, but I don't think that any sharp better come Saturday is going to be on biggie boy. And we mentioned it before with the other guy. This is also not some Russian whose name ends with V that's from Dagestan. You're going to get a different guy. And obviously we know that our listeners know that the casuals come Saturday aren't going to know that. And so I, I think I'm comfortable placing it now, thinking that this is near the best it's going to be. Okay. I love that feedback. I'm probably going to follow suit and get in on this now rather than later. Okay. Wow. A lot of wind out of the sails. Just, and, and by that, I mean oxygen out of these lungs. We've been talking for a while now. Phenomenal episode. Return episode, if you want to call it that. Back to the regularly scheduling. I know Danny. We've got I- 10 straight weeks of fights. So get used to our voices twice a week. We're setting the spread. We're giving you winners. Let's fucking go, Poha. I know. I love it. And, and just, you know, sp- spread the awareness of the podcast. Get interactive with Twitter, all the good old stuff. But outside of that, I got nothing for him other than a Poha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.